Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and uh, I'm joined, as always, by Chris. Hello. And by Tom. Hello. How are we both doing in this uh, in these crazy times? We all good? Not too bad. Not too bad. I've been... Um... I've been building Lego to keep me sane, so that's helping. Lego. There's a long hesitation from you there, Chris, as well. Either that or we're just getting the, the classic Zencaster lag, I'm not sure. Um, I need a bit of both. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest, I've, I feel like I've blinked and April's just disappeared, so I barely yeah. know what day it is, let alone what week or month yeah. at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. How have you been, Tom? Yeah, nothing too bad. Uh, considering Chris is speaking of construction, I am now an Animal Crossing master. I'm just putting that out there. That's nice. what COVID has brought for me. Animal Crossing <laughs> Supremacy. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, lagging so far news. behind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll lend you a few million bells, mate. It's fine. I could do with them. I'd, I'd be embarrassed to have you over to my bells. island at this point. <laughs> I'll, I'll come over with my DIY skills and I'll just make everything for you. It's fine. Fix my island. <laughs> at this yeah. point in my head, Chris lives on an island and yep. Tom is going around there to help <laughs> him put a picture up. So, yeah. Do you know what? That's I actually, pretty accurate, honestly. In in ode to my love for motorsports, I have like a little sports bar that I built in my house dedicated to different sports that I enjoy. And I have nice. loads of racing helmets and like American football helmets and stuff like that all hung up on the wall. And then a big billiards table in the middle. It's like the coolest room in my house. I just wish you Oh, that's real. awesome. Wow. Sounds like a sweet, <laughs> sweet pad. Sounds it's like a nice just, situation. Yeah, it's just a shame. It's imaginary and all yeah. in a digital form. <laughs> I, I was going to say, must be nice. <laughs> um, so in this week's episode, um, Chris has got some news for us. I've got a game for us, and we're going to go through some of your messages. Um, so we're going to start with Chris's news section, which appears quite lengthy this week. So shall we get into it? Yeah, it's probably not as lengthy as it looks. I mean, most of the news again is here's the races that aren't happening, unfortunately. So current situation is we're now scheduled to start the season on the 5th of July in Austria, which will be a behind-closed-doors race, as has been discussed multiple times. Um, I think last time we spoke, the start was scheduled to be France, but that has now... That's actually been cancelled, the French Grand Prix. Most have been postponed, but France has officially now been cancelled. So it's the only cancellation uh, after Australia and Monaco, which have been that case for a while. Yeah, best thing for it, really. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like... the <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe some people probably say it should stay cancelled permanently, but... Uh... <laughs> But there we go. Um, to, to be fair, give, given the way that track and race is set up, I think there's still a chance that one might come back if situations change, whereas Australia and Monaco obviously being uh, street circuits, Australia the sort of semi-street circuit, it's much harder to bring those back. Mm. But F1 have announced what they're calling a targeted calendar, which... They've done a thing that a lot of people have said would make more sense for the calendar for a long time, which is they've arranged it geographically rather than, <laughs> I mean, financially is kind of how the calendar's usually organised, isn't yeah. it? So they're sort of looking at um, doing European races in July and August, uh, Eurasia and Asia, where those borders line up is up for debate, but Eurasia and Asia, yeah. September, October. <laughs> Somewhere in Egypt from the look of this map. <laughs> yeah, Eurasia seems to take up 
a good chunk of Europe, most of the Middle East, and anything else that doesn't fit in with the categories. Yeah, it's like the most racist map. <laughs> um, so yeah, Eurasia and Asia, September, October, then Asia again, and the Americas, October to November, and then what they're calling Gulf in December. Oh. Um, but Chase Carey basically said that Gulf just means Bahrain and Abu Dhabi, which will... There, as things currently planned, they will be the last two races of the season. Now, um, Abu Dhabi obviously retaining the season finale status that they pay an awful lot of money for. So, yeah, that's kind of what they're hoping for right now. Um, as well as Austria, um, Silverstone and the Hungaroring have both confirmed that races that do go ahead there will also be behind closed doors. Um, Silverstone have gone to length to say they'll be either refunding people if they want that or giving people free tickets to next year's race um, for those who have already bought tickets, which is um, to be expected, but it's, you know, it's nice to hear from them. Um, there's also reports that both of those circuits and the Red Bull Ring are sort of gearing up to potentially host two races um, in fairly quick succession uh, in an effort to pad the season out. And obviously, this sort of Spa, Monza, Catalonia are all still potentially uh, open. I read that um, the current sort of mass gathering restrictions in Belgium go up to the end of August, I believe. And the Spa race is currently scheduled for the last day of August. Um, So that's currently fine, but could potentially happen. Um, And Zandvoort also want to host a race when they can. So if a handful of those tracks can host a race or two, there's still... It's not impossible for us to get eight or more races um, in Europe within the first couple of months of the season when we get going. Yeah. I think um, if we do what we've talked about for a long time with the whole thing, the, the prospect of making things geographically relevant to each other so that the, the distance in terms of travel between them is minimal, you've got a much better chance of being able to fit all this in, haven't you, realistically? Yeah, totally. And I think if that can organise something where, as we said before, you could easily condense like a race weekend into two days. So you could feasibly have two race weekends in the space of four or five days, couldn't you? If you just had everyone stay at one circuit for a week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the takeaway, really the takeaway from this is obviously that they're still aiming for the dream scenario of, of running as much of a normal season as they can, ending at a normal hmm. time and starting next season yeah. at the normal time, aren't they? That's that's the uh, that's the indication I'm getting from this. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, and if you can get those eight or more races in the first couple of months in Europe, that you've already got an official world championship dealt with. And then anything after yeah. that is kind of bonus at that point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just banter. Yeah, the rest of the race is just banter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lewis will probably have won all eight of those anyway, and the championship will be over. So. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be weird actually once things do kick off because it'll be really hard to judge when someone actually becomes world champion because we won't really know until it's over exactly how many races we're going to get. Like mm. normally, we'll be able to say, "Oh, if this person achieves this at this race, they'll be champion." But we might get a situation where a few races get postponed or cancelled again and then we have to say, oh, he was actually champion three races ago, but we just didn't know yeah, it at the yeah. time. It could happen. It totally could happen. I quite like that. I quite like that. It adds an, an element of unpredictability. To, it really does, yeah. To the season. I know um, it sounds a bit cynical, but it also means that every member of every team will be pushing flat out from day one to to the end of the 
end of the season, whenever it may be, because they don't quite know when it'll be. Yeah, yeah. totally. And yeah. the less races you have, the more important each individual race yeah. becomes. Like dropping 25 points in a 20, well, 21, 22 race season is you can get away with it. But if you're only having like 10 races, suddenly dropping 25 points is going to be a massive, massive difference yeah. to your position, Definitely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you you almost wonder if they just need to tweak the point system back a little bit for this season as well, don't you? In a way to make up for that, because yeah, potentially you, I've seen talk of that actually whether that should be done. Um, if we're going to have eighteen races, then leave it. But like, if we're going to drop to sort of ten, then twenty five points for a win in that situation doesn't really work very well. I don't think. I think you, can be a bit excessive, the, can't it? Yeah, I think just given the gaps between some of the cars, it's it's such a big, it's such a big number of points. Just a bit, just a big, such a big advantage to take that it kind of it ruins the entire season. It ruins the championship yeah. a little bit because you win one race and it's like boom, right? Well, you win three races and then suddenly you, you know, you're a race win ahead with only six races to go, seven yeah. races to go. So that's True, yeah. yeah, that's too big of a gap. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Actually, um, friend of the show, uh, Chamber, has done quite a few videos recently about kind of different point systems and the ebb and flow of championships and stuff like that. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it's worth, they're worth a watch. Um, but yeah, if, if you're doing half as many races, then there is an argument to sort of halve the gaps in the points to keep it competitive. Yeah, I would say. Because, so. I mean... I mean, when, when Lewis goes and wins the first four or five races of a season, as it is, it's a bit, oh, well, that's that's the rest of this year then. Yeah. But if that happens and you know you're already like a third of the way through, then yeah. going to put a bit of a damper on the rest of the year, isn't it, really? Yeah. Oh, I can't even speak today. It's been a while since we've done this on an already <laughs> damp looking calendar. Is that a damp squid looking calendar? I was trying to go for that, but my uh, my cough distracted me. So carry on. <laughs> We're all falling to bits. <laughs> um so yeah that's sort of where we're where we're at um i do like the idea of this kind of more geographic calendar um i guess the eurasia asia section is going to cover like your your russia your japan china which ironically is probably looking one of the more likely races on the calendar now considering that was the first one to go um yeah. singapore i'd say is looking unlikely now um i was reading today that Singapore started off as kind of a poster child for how to deal with this whole situation. And now things have kind of taken a slip there. So I think that's actually looking like a less likely race to go ahead. Um, mm. Obviously, America's, you've got issue three, isn't it, really? It's Canada, USA, um, Mexico. Mexico, yeah. Brazil. Yeah. Which on paper sounds like, oh, yeah, of course, put those races back to back. But they're still... A- bloody long way apart those yeah, yeah they're a lot further yeah, yeah. apart than you'd think with the size yeah. of the continent so like, oh yeah we'll do uh silverstone then um a race in egypt and then a race in south africa back to back like that'll be easy enough right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's sort of where we're at with things um still hope basically is the headline i think still hope that we can get a decent season out of all of this yeah i, I really hope we do i mean i'm they're still doing stuff. They're still prepping for it. I'm, I've got a project in for them at the moment, and they're still doing stuff in in the sort of assumption that there is going to be a season. So they must be feeling fairly confident. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, how do we feel about the whole races behind closed doors thing? I'd yeah. definitely rather that than risking people's safety for the sake of having a race. Yeah, for 100%. sure. Um, I think as long, why not? As long as the teams are kept safe as well. That's that's the other factor to consider, isn't it? The team you know, the, the members of the teams need to be kept safe. But Yeah, I, I read earlier there's kind of already plans in place of how they'll do that. I think sort of having a they were talking about a maximum of eighty personnel per team and they would all travel together, stay in the same hotel and basically not mix with anyone from any other teams if unless absolutely necessary, kind of wow. keeping everyone in their own little units. Um, very difficult. Very, very, very difficult, difficult, yeah. Um, and I guess a skeleton crew to actually run the broadcasts. Uh, no media, I would imagine. Obviously, no fans. Um, yeah. To be honest, I once the race gets going, I don't think the fans not being there is actually going to make a huge difference. I think the weirdest part is going to be pre-race and post-race where it's just sort of kind of silent. Um, yeah, yeah, well, it'll end up being it'll end up being like a show from like the Sky Studio with the guys. Yeah, I imagine in, so. just in the studio. Can you remember how they like when Formula E first came about and you had like Karoon yeah. and like a couple of other people yeah. in just like a random little room at Channel Five and <laughs> in then, a cupboard somewhere? Yeah, in a cupboard, and then they'd just cut across, and it'd be oh, we're starting, and that'd be that. It'll, yeah. I reckon it'll be something like probably like that, but like a bit more polished. Um, yeah, I can I can see I can see it being that. I don't. They, they definitely, you know. Let's not forget that it takes so much prep to get all these circuits ready for a Formula One race as well. It's not just a case of getting the production crew there, getting you know, getting all the teams there. It's like it's the months of advanced work of laying the timing loops and all this other stuff that they have to do that takes teams and teams of people that also adds a puts a huge spanner in the work so you, you can't you need these countries to be open before you can start sending people over there anyway and then exactly yeah it's not the, a turn up on the thursday set up and get going kind of thing is it no it's like exactly, you know you got yeah. you got to sh- they, they show up a few weeks in advance in this case it'll probably be a few weeks in advance and they'll do all the testing of the loops and stuff before you know before the teams eventually show up proper and and do it i imagine they'll cut it all down a lot but it's you know it's a big old job it's a really really big job it's not it's not a simple thing of just teams showing up and having a race no which is where having more than one race at a circuit makes even more sense because yeah you can just leave all that stuff there and it's ready to go for a second event isn't it yeah that's right sorry i was right in the middle of a swig of beer Um, (laughs) oh look at you yeah. So next thing, what's what else? What what other nuggets of news have you got for us, Chris? Um, the only other real thing of significance that has gone on—it's happened today, in fact. Actually, there was a um, a financial call today with um, bosses from F1, the FIA, and uh, team principals. Uh, and the sort of headline from it is that the they have agreed that the twenty twenty one budget cut. Um, budget cap, sorry, uh, has now been cut from the original $175 million a year to $145 million a year. And there is talk of a second drop in 2022 to $130 million a year, but that one is still up in the air. The initial $145 million is actually agreed now. It's still significantly higher than a lot of midfield teams wanted. Uh, Zach Brown most vocally was pushing for $100 million a year cap. Um, but 
the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari who all spend 300, 400 million a year were not as big a fan of that as you can imagine. Suspiciously, this 145 million that they've come up with is exactly the figure that was quoted in a interview in The Guardian with their Mattia Bonotto, um, which <laughs> the original interview and story seemed to suggest that Ferrari were threatening to quit F1 if the budget cap was any lower than 145 million, which, I mean, Ferrari Classic. threatened to quit F1. <laughs> who, who knew? Yeah. Ferrari have since issued a statement denying that that is what he was saying and that the headline on this interview was misleading. Of course. I'll read you the actual quote from him and I'll let you judge whether he was threatening to quit or not. He said, the $145 million level is already a new and demanding request compared to what was set out last June. It cannot be attained without further significant sacrifices, especially in terms of our human resources. If it was to get even lower, we would not want to be put in a position of having to look at other further options for deploying our racing DNA. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a very fancy way of saying... (laughs) We'll quit if they make any lower. Yeah, but, but they won't mm. though. They just no, I've said won't. this so many times. Like they won't. They they need F one as much as F one needs them. And F one yeah, totally. can make the rules because they run the sport. So the days of I can see the end coming for the days of Ferrari's um over what over overly controlling input into the running of this sport. I I, I really can. I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at look at any other racing series, and like, where else are they going to go? Like, yeah, uh, like, World Endurance Championship. Um, most big manufacturers have dropped out of the top class in that, and if, you know, yeah. this Ferrari's running in the GT class, but Ferrari as a factory team are only going to want to run in the top class. Yeah, um, I mean, Audi have just dropped out of DTM. The only the only series really with a growing number of manufacturers is Formula E, and are Ferrari really going to move their F1 operation to operate in Formula E? Nah. The answer no, no, isn't it? It's not going to happen, is it? With the greatest respect to Formula <laughs> no. E, and we all have a lot of respect for Formula E, it ain't a home for Ferrari, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the closest they've come to making an electric car is the... Is, is it the LaFerrari's a hybrid? Yeah, the LaFerrari's yeah. hybrid. It was to compete with the... The P1, P1. and Porsche 913 or something, was it? 918. 918, maybe? I, I can't remember which. The Porsche is the one I nine always remember. Some, uh, nine one something, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They all, the badass hybrid Porsche, yeah, yeah. That yeah, um, yeah I, I, I really tire of this Ferrari <laughs> attitude of, you know, we're the best. If, if you look at your average, like, Ferrari driver, they're buying a Ferrari probably because, A, because they're beautiful cars in their own right, regardless of anything else, and B, because they make... Formula One cars. Like if, if if Ferrari don't make a Formula One car anymore, that's like a lot of their prestige is like out of the window. Yeah. So they they Ferrari need to have a Formula One car every year because it's such a huge part of their marketing. Like if they don't have that, then how do they sell cars? Like literally, you know. Like, exactly, yeah. All the money they Mercedes spend on Formula yet. One, they could pump into other ways of marketing, but are any of them gonna do as good a job as no. F1 does. And all, yeah. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Win on exactly. Sunday, sell on Monday. It's still true. It's still true yeah, today. Totally. It still works. So, yeah. Um, I mean, he, to be fair to Bonotto, he does make a good point in that quote that the more you cut the budget cap, the more it impacts people and jobs. Um, there, I mean, there are exceptions to these budget caps. Driver salaries aren't included. Um, 
and I think there's other kind of they call them key personnel can be excluded. So, for example, I think I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but I think Red Bull would be able to like nominate Adrian Newey, for example, as kind of a, a certain member of key personnel, and his salary yeah. wouldn't come within that. Would you yeah. think? Mm. I mean, oh, here's so how an much idea. he's paid, but why not pay your drivers? Why not include the drivers in that budget cap? Pay them less and have more staff. There's a balance to you, yeah. Because those drivers would sadly probably not be in F1 anymore. Mm. I know we don't want. I know we don't want to think that, but I've got a feeling that there's a few of them that would be tempted away to other sports by more money. Yeah, yeah possibly. But of course there are. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's still gonna. It's it's still gonna attract the pure drivers though isn't it it's gonna if you take the money out of the equation it's an interesting argument actually because if you did if you were to take the money out of the equation what you would get is instead of getting instead of getting the richest wealthiest well you would get you'd still get rich wealthy men driving formula one cars you'd get people showing up who are already successful in motorsport to show their metal in a sport where they're not necessarily getting paid to do it do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, imagine yeah. if it's like, imagine if they're still the fastest cars in the world, but the drivers don't get paid anything. The best drivers want to drive those cars anyway. Mm, they don't care about how much they're getting paid. It's so, essentially back to the sixties and seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it was like back then. Like, there were there were some of the world's best drivers in in other fields as well. Like a lot of them raced sports cars at places like Le Mans and stuff like that in endurance. A lot of them did Indy as well. Some of them rode bikes, like Surtees. Do you know what I mean? Like. These these drivers did a bit of everything back then because yeah. they weren't being paid mega bucks just to turn up and drive in in the top tier of racing, were they? So mm. made made for a different different breed, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's possible that by doing that, you would dilute the pool somewhat, and it, yeah, it, a Possibly. very very talented driver um, would make it a bit easier to. Uh, you know, if, if the talent pool is not the very best, then I just wonder if if the cars are. I just think if the cars are all the very best car, if it's widely known that these are, and it is widely known, I think that these cars are the very best cars in the world to drive around a circuit in. Then, if you take money out of that equation and just only have raw talent, then the teams are just going to go for whoever the best is. And you might have all the money in the world, but if you're not the best driver, you don't get to drive the car. And it works out better yeah. for the fans as well, because the fans then only see the very best drivers who want to be there to drive for the thrill of driving the car. Yeah. yeah. But then, and I think sort of rolled into that is if you're one of the best drivers in the world and you're lumbered in a F1 team that can't compete at the front because they haven't got as much, a budget cap's going to be attractive to you because it's going to hopefully bring the field close together. And I think yeah. I think anyone other than the drivers in the top three cars would happily take a pay cut if it gave them a car that would allow them to fight for podiums. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, and I should point out that I'm definitely... I'm not saying that all the drivers there don't every single driver who is on that grid wants to be on that grid because they do really only take the best anyway but it's just it seems strange to have such an attractive thing that everyone wants to do and yet they still pay the drivers so much money don't they yeah how bizarre is that like i know you get pay drivers already so i guess the, the 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 problem's kind of solving itself because the lower teams have 
pay drivers and drivers want to drive it so bad that they'll pay money to do it. But my argument is that if those teams didn't use pay drivers and just got really good drivers who weren't pay drivers, then they'd probably do better in the championship because they wouldn't have people just throwing money down the table. They'd actually be getting that money through results. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of leans into, so another thing that came out of this this meeting, uh, Ross Braun promised that as part of this new agreement, there will be a much more equitable price fund. Uh, and he said that midfield teams in particular are going to be much more better off in terms of their portion of the prize money. Um, he didn't give any specifics. But Does that mean they're going to get rid of Ferrari's 80 million euros a year free payment just for being part yeah, of the Yeah, just for being there. Yeah. I, so. I, w- I would love them to do that. And when Ferrari threatened to quit, Ross just goes, all right then, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> and balls in your court let's see what you actually do yeah formula one do not need ferrari they don't need them they can go get no, rid ferrari need f1 a lot more than f1 needs ferrari yeah, yeah i just don't understand why i'm the only like why we're the only people who think this it's i think i, the... I wouldn't say we are i think that people just people don't want to roll those dice to the I guess like it's it's like saying you know the Premier League wouldn't be the same if it didn't have an Arsenal or the NFL wouldn't be the same if it didn't have a Patriots or do you know what I mean? like yeah, th- there's plenty is, of sports like where you could take like a headline team and say it wouldn't be the same without them which is true it wouldn't to a degree but mm-hmm. it would also still exist it would continue to exist it wouldn't yeah. just cease to be because this one team's gone yeah um, it's, it's literally it's the equivalent of manchester united turning around saying oh we're not if you're not, if we're not going to get the kind of money that we'd normally get then we're not going to play in the premier league anymore imagine if that yeah. happened everyone would just be like all right see you then <laughs> yeah it's just unfathomable in it yeah. most of the yeah. sports isn't it it's weird it's so weird i mean it's so weird if, if ferrari went we would We'd probably lose the Italian Grand Prix because I, th- I think without the draw yeah. of Ferrari for Italian F1 fans, Mon- I mean, Monza struggles as it is to put on a race. That would probably collapse. Mm. But yeah, other than that, that's true. You, you, yeah, you're going to lose, lose a percentage of your fan base. But then you'd also argue that once Ferrari go, that's I, a spot the lope on the grid for a new team to come in and that's going to yeah. bring potentially new fans with it. I just don't believe that 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 many people are tuning in just to watch Ferrari though that's the other thing like yeah there's a fan base and you know each team has its fans and everyone wants to see their team do well but if 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 you're a sports fan you're a fan of the sport aren't you and if you, if something happens to your team then you pick another team because there's other teams do you though yeah because for just just if they're not in, out if there is an example if they're not competing anymore then you'd have to it, wouldn't you yeah but it, just as an example throwing that side of it out if the Arizona Cardinals suddenly stop being an NFL team or Sheffield Wednesday suddenly stop being a, a football team or yeah. whatever else, I wouldn't follow any other team. I wouldn't swap from the Cardinals to someone else or from Sheffield Wednesday to yeah, someone else. Yeah, so you'd, I, I so just, you'd stop watching football? You'd stop watching football yeah. altogether I, because your team's I would, not I would not. I'm not saying I would stop watching altogether, but I would not actively support the sport week in, week out because the team that I supported are, are no more. Um, yeah, and the, the only like saving grace would be like if you had like a some teams get like a bit of a rebirth, I guess, don't they? Under under a new ownership or a new alter ego or something, which would yeah. maybe tempt me. But honestly, if, yeah. if if a team in a sport that I, I enjoyed disappeared, then I probably wouldn't have as much affinity with the sport anymore. So I can yeah. I can see that point of view from a strong 
Ferrari fans' perspective. F one's so, so slightly what? different for me because I'm not solidly with one team in, in F one. Yeah. I'm very much a generalist. Like I have my favourites, but I'm very much a generalist and I like seeing each and every driver and team doing well in their own respect for different reasons. So it's it's a bit of a different scenario for me that and I'm sure there's mm. people that watch football whatever else for similar reasons. They don't like out and out support one team through thick and thin they just support the the sport generally which is mm-hmm. what, and they're the people that you'd never lose because they're not that interested in a specific team i think that's the difference the ferrari fans are very uh, a very loyal set of people that i the only thing that would save them i guess would possibly be another italian um, yeah. Sports car manufacturer yeah, being like, in there it, for them to, Italy to like Reds. kind of Italy Reds yeah. are going to join Formula One. That, it, it, <laughs> it'd have to be like another Italian team, I think. I don't think a Ferrari fan, well, like uh, well at least an Italian Ferrari fan, I don't think a Tifosi fan would support anybody other than Ferrari or at least a very strongly like rooted Italian team like what Ferrari yeah. are. Well, at the end of the day, they're just Fiat's anyway, aren't they? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Italian though, <laughs> yeah, also true. Yeah, it's going to be like Fiat. What's the, I mean? Think of a. Can anyone think of a cool Fiat? <laughs> Punto. No, I said cool Fiat. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't hear me properly. <laughs> Mate, it's the coolest Fiat. I don't know what you're talking about. It Fiat probably Punto. is. That, well, that's the Chicacento. Chicacento. That's the sad thing. It probably is the coolest Fiat, the Punto. Fiat, oh, Fiat yeah. 500, but but the Abarth version. That's a cool okay. Fiat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's an okay. But it's not I mean, a Fiat anymore at that point. It's in a bath. It's yeah, so. a bath. Yeah, that's not a Fiat. Yeah. <laughs> I bet if they got their hands on a Punto, they'll be able to make it vaguely desirable. But, uh, but do you know what? I think there is an a bath Punto on that point. <laughs> if so. if if they were to if Ferrari were to disappear, would Fiat make an a bath F one team? Well, there's already yeah. an Alfa Romeo F one team. That's isn't true. It? Yeah. So would they just become a bath F one? Possibly. Yeah, something I, for I you to mull over during the quarantine. <laughs> I think, like, it it is true that, as Tom says, like a lot of Ferrari fans are, they will, they would go with the team if they went. It's not all of them, but a large percentage of them. But I, th- I feel like overall, for um, F one would be better off having no Ferrari and a competitive feel because of a budget cap than they would with a Ferrari and only having three teams able to win. Like yeah. a, a competitive sport is going to bring you in more fans in total than one manufacturer, albeit yes. the most famous manufacturer in the world. I agree. Yeah. And mm. it is it goes back to it goes back to that same like example, like if if a Manchester United disappeared from the Premier League, you would lose a lot of Manchester United fans that wouldn't want to support anyone else. But you also um, you also would see a lot of people that would just hang around and like be more of a general fan. So you'd yeah. you'd get you get some of, and you'd probably get more people that come back to watching it. It'd be like, oh, now they've gone. I'm actually interested again. Yeah, possibly. So it's, I think I think you get a little bit of everything. Do you know what I mean? Like how there must be people out there that have gone. Do you know what? I'm I'm tired of watching it while Ferrari's in it. If they ever go, I'll come back. And you might get people like that come back. You never know. I think. I think during the Schumacher era, there probably were. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. 
Sorry, we've like really gone off. Uh, no, it's no, it's 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 good. It's good stuff. Uh, Got to fill that quota. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian Horner is also against the idea of a budget cap. Surprise, 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 surprise. He said, uh, "Teams are competitive beasts. Of course, they are looking to use an angle. The cap is a discussion about competitiveness, not about money. It's about trying to bring the top teams down to a level where the midfield teams feel like they compete. The reality is that whatever the level of spend, there will always be teams that run at the front, teams that run at the back." To which I would say, that's very easy yes. to say when you're a four-time world champion and you're one of the three teams mm. currently able to win races. Yeah. What, so what you're I'm, saying there is basically they want us to spend money less money because the rest of the teams are spending money. Yes, Christian, that's exactly what we're saying, yeah. Because it's yeah. the virtue of spending that money that is putting you where you are. Yeah, yeah. The, the alternative to that is the other teams spend more money to get up to your level, which yeah. they don't have. It's yeah. just a non-argument, isn't it? That's just not a response to an argument you know, at all. That do you know what would be very, very interesting to to see? Just like kind of maybe calculated to work out where people would stand is. I keep bringing these back to flipping UK football arguments, but we have spending caps here in the UK for like the Premier League and the Championship and so on. Where mm. I think it's called self-sustainability now, where. Basically, what you spend on players' salaries and transfers and all those kind of things, you have to quantify it with income to the club through your sponsorships and your ticket sales and so on. How interesting would it be to actually work out how much Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari actually make on the F1 car itself that goes back in and money that goes into the development of the car isn't coming from somewhere outside? I guess that's what the spending cap would help achieve, but it would be interesting to like do a, a sort of a self-sustainability kind of line to see where where they sit and how much money F1 itself brings in that is then spent on the car compared to how much money comes in from outside sources and then spent on the car. Yes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was only half listening then because I just saw the picture of an Abarth Punto you sent to us, Tom. And that's <laughs> horrifying. That's one of the worst cars I think I've ever seen. It looks like a catfish. It does it look, does very look a little bit like a catfish, yes. With its weird little red ears. Oh, that's awful. Um, I've got another massive quote here from Christian Horner rambling on about customer cars being the solution instead frankly i've just like sort of reread it and i can't even be bothered to read the whole thing because we've just we've done the whole customer cars idea so many times over the last few years and anyone other than the top three teams don't think it's a good idea it's i mean that if the idea of teams having customer cars just means we'll have 12 mercedes red bulls and ferraris on the grid instead of six of them surely like yeah yeah yeah. And, and ultimately, a customer car is never going to be allowed to beat the manufacturer. Exactly. So it, it's a non-starter, isn't it? Yeah. And on that sour note, <laughs> <laughs> Stu, do you want to do you want to cheer us up with with some fun with a fun game? Yes, let's have some fun. That's what this. <laughs> that's why we do this, right? To have fun. Yeah. If I remember yeah. rightly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. Um, so this game's you might have played it at home. Um, this game's called Linky, and um, basically the concept is you answer four questions, and then from the answers to those four questions, you figure out what thing links the four answers together. Okay, does that make sense? 
It does indeed. Yep. Very simple. <clears throat> Chris sounds slightly unsure, but that means I might win. <laughs> so you <laughs> might need you. You want to be writing down your answers, really, or, or typing ready them out to into somewhere. Ready to roll. Um, just so you're ready. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with an easy one, relatively easy one. Um, so first question: um, something that you get when you touch a hot object. Okay, so it's something that you okay. get when you touch a hot object. I'm going to rattle through these quite quick, so you need to... I've already got down. it, just saying. Would you like an opportunity to say what the link is? Yeah, the link is tires. Nope. Duh! And, you, and now, now, because you've done... Sorry, extra rule. Because you've done that, you can't say anything until Chris has had a go. That's no. fine. I'm, I'm all okay. right with that. Okay, so time. something that you get when you touch a hot object. Um, next question is the joint between your heel... And your hip. Oh, right. That took me a second. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one, that. And this is an easy one. Oh, I've, I, I think I've got it. Okay, go on, Chris. Is it Bernie Eccleston? It is Bernie Eccleston. <laughs> is, that, is that really a link, though, I'd just like to ask? Because that's spelling out a word with the answers, which is well, not well, there's what only, we're there's doing. Men, there's, there's multiple ways of linking these things to the answer. So I'll give you the other questions. Um, the, the next question was, a cake from a town near Manchester, which the answer Eccles. Eccles. And, um, also will mean nothing to any listeners outside of the UK. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, it's, this these are tailored for you. I've got one more at the end. That's for the for the, for the listeners. But um, these these first three are for you too. Um, so the question D there was: people in glass houses shouldn't throw these. And obviously, it's a stone. <laughs> nice. Um, next question. Okay, so next one: a unit of measuring equal to one thousand and sixteen point five kilograms. So a unit of measuring weight equal to 1,016.5 kilograms. Sorry. Okay. Okay. You got that? Yep. Um, next question is something you need to make flour. So something you need to make flour. Um, the third question in this linky is a kind of meat that comes from a pig. And then the fourth one is the heavyweight champion boxer who retired in 2003. 2003? Mm-hmm. So shout if you want me to give you any of those again. Slightly more difficult, this one, but you'll kick yourself when you get it. Ooh. The first one was kilograms, right? Equal to a thousand sixteen point five. It's kill, yeah, it's kilograms into something else. Okay. Someone needs to make flour. I'm a bit stumped with this one. Oh, what about you? Tom? Is it can is it Lewis Hamilton's dad? You're on the well. It's Lewis Hamilton and Anthony Hamilton. It's Lewis. Oh, is Hamilton. it Lewis Hamilton? Yeah. Why is it Lewis? Right. The re- so I'm going to tell you the reason I went Anthony Hamilton is because that many kilos is a ton. So yeah. I'm I got, I'm getting Anthony, I don't, I, and then ham okay. is the meat from a pig. Oh, ham, Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ham. like do you, know I mean? you, you can mill. see where I put yeah, these yeah. things together. Flour mill, ham, yeah. Is, oh, a is mill, the meat from right? A pig. That's where the mill Flour comes. Mill. That's Lewis. one. That's one that was throwing me. Lennox Lewis is the boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Ooh, oh, I yeah, was yeah, Hamilton. Ham Milton. Yeah, it's because I do them in the different order. If I'd done them in the right order of his name, <laughs> so, then it would have been more easy for you. Essentially, I kind of got that, I guess, from. Yeah, we'll give Tom. Ton, we'll give Tom a point for that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah I got, I got, clo- I got close. Because <laughs> two of them, I was way off. I had, I had wheat. I had wheat and um, a Tyson. So <laughs> was nowhere near. <laughs> My biggest issue there was I wrote down pork and bacon and not ham. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis Baconton. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> um, okay, next one. Um, are you ready? Yep. Aye. Okay, a popular weapon in the Wild West. Okay. Okay, um, something that a captain needs for his ship. Okay, tell me when you're ready or if you want me to repeat any. Yeah. No, keep going. Um, next one. Who went up the hill with Jill? Okay, you ready? Yeah. And the next, the final one in this series is most of the time, the deliveries will arrive in a cardboard something. What is that something? Oh, um, I've, I, is it uh... is it a pit stop? Yes, it is a pit yeah. stop, Chris. Well done. So I was trying got... to turn it into a word like an idiot from <laughs> yeah. the other ones. You've got gun, <laughs> crew, jack, and box there as the answers. Ah, see, for the ship one, I had wheel written down, which actually also works. <laughs> yeah, it still works. I had yeah, wheel for that as well. Works. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so Chris wins. <laughs> it's a very short game. I thought I'd take it longer <laughs> than that. <laughs> 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 I only did three, and the fourth one's for... Um, for the uh, for the audience, and they can nice. contact us with the answer. So um, I like that. We should do more uh, of those. Yeah, I think I'll I'll get one for the uh, one one for the audience every week. I think after this because it is a really yeah, really definitely. fun concept. Um, so for the audience, um, and I'll give you guys the answer to this one at the end of the show. Um, question one is something that you read and is different every day. So something that you read and it's different every day. Question two is an African stripy horse. <laughs> <laughs> Question three is end this lyric. It don't matter if you're. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. End this lyric. It don't matter if you're. And um, question four is I can be upright, grand or electric. What am I? Nice. Yeah, I like that one. I've got that. Okay. Cool. So we'll we'll leave that one out there and if you if you know the answer, give us a tweet or 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 send us a message and we'll uh we'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Do it in a in a DM as well so it's not uh the first person who gets it right has it available for everyone else to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or share yeah. it on Twitter and then people will see you've showed it and what Yeah, yeah, what nice. It's all about. <laughs> cool. Cool. Right, I like uh, that. We should definitely do more in- of those. Yeah, I forgot I'm actually hosting as well, so I should introduce the next section. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that. We'll move on to inbox. Is uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey man. Uh, Wesley Paul has said, "How many races will it take for Ocon to crash Ricardo out one too many times?" I just have a gut feeling it's going to happen. Stay safe. Hmm. Mm, it. It doesn't sound outside the realms of possibility, does it? Yeah, I don't I, think. 
I don't think I'll be near enough to him to uh, for that to happen myself. Mm. He's definitely going to be a man with a lot to prove this year, isn't he? He yeah. is, but he's, he's coming. He's at a year out, and he's coming against someone who's pretty hot property in Formula One. So I, you know, I think it's going to take a few races for that to happen. Is my answer? Yeah, I guess the thing is, once he does get a shot at beating his teammate, is he going to throw a bit too much in that direction? Um, yeah, I think that's. We need to see him against each other, I guess. Realistically, yeah. don't we? First in the same machinery, so and see how see what a year out has done to him as well. I mean, he yeah. spent an awful lot of time in the Mercedes simulator in that time, but the best simulator in the world, which is the one I probably have, is no replacement <laughs> for actually driving a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup though, those two, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chris, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, uh, Victor Ernst says, if Austria does go ahead, will Verstappen be, like in the last few years, the favourite? Uh, by the way, I love the podcast and keep going. I would say yes in answer to that question, pure and simple. He's pretty yeah, good around there, he's isn't he? Pretty, he's, he's been really hot around there, hasn't he, the last couple of years. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I bet Mercedes are I bet Mercedes are hoping they don't start doing double races because Mercedes seem to implode every time they go to Austria. So if the season opens yeah. with two Austrian races, they're going to be starting very much on the back yeah. foot, aren't they? Tell well, you what, I wouldn't mind that though. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be a what? hell of a start, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting to see what Max is like there in front of no one because I, I always like the saying is always the home crowd gives you an extra tenth a lap or whatever, but. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know what Max is like without them there. Obviously, we know he's quick, but it was—it's been practically a home race for him the last few years, hasn't yeah, that it? Place so, it's—it'd be very, very interesting to see what he's like in front of nobody. Yeah, that's there. a good point. See I haven't thought of that. See if that is actually a factor for him there. Is the Dutch Grand Prix going ahead? It's on the postponed list currently. Yeah. It's, okay, um, so in theory, it is going ahead then. I would say of the potential European races, it's one of the less likely ones, I think. But then I also think, given how much work has gone into getting this race off the ground as quick as they have, they're going to do everything they can to get that race to go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see Austria, uh, Silverstone, Hungary uh, before we see a Zandvoort on the calendar think they're more likely races but it's still very much possible hmm. but then again even if it does go ahead it's going to be behind closed doors as well so yeah that is true yeah but i think he did you know he's he did he's really he's done really well in spain when where there's not necessarily a zillions and zillions of uh Verstappen fans is there hasn't he? he's yeah, done true. amazingly well at brazil before so i don't think it is just yeah, I don't I think, think it's, it's going to take any hunger away from him. Yeah, everyone has like certain track types of track that they like. Yeah, and that's 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 normal. Um, yeah, I think it just, Austria just happens to suit him. I think more than anything. I don't yeah. necessarily think and it's the car, the car as well. I think it's, yeah, and the car, <laughs> big time the car. But um, I don't think it is the crowd. I think he happens to be at a track. It's a short lap as well. Remember, um, and it's it's quite twisty, really. Like it's it's very. It suits that Red Bull a lot. Yeah. Or it suited, in the past, it suited Red Bulls a lot. And so, I think Zandvoort will as well. Yeah, Zandvoort definitely will. It's, it's he's like also designed for a Red Bull, that track. 
Yeah. He's also, I think, I think him and Alex Albon are the only people to have driven F1 cars around the new configuration as well for various yeah. marketing <laughs> purposes. That'll help. That'll help um, a lot. Speaking of, have you seen the new video that Red Bull released a day or two ago? No, I have not. It was, I assume it was initially going to be the thing they released in the lead up to the uh, Grand Prix at Zandvoort, but they've released it now. It's basically um, the two of them driving F car, F1 cars around various bits of Holland. Like they start in the Rotterdam docks and they're sort of doing power slides around um, shipping containers and stuff. They drive past some windmills, drive around like a flower factory and stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. There's some, like when they're just like sliding F1 cars around the inside of this factory with like flowers flying everywhere and stuff. It's mm. it's very cool. It's a very Red Bull thing to do, but it's it's worth a watch. Um, they have done like, they've got the two of them like talking to each other while they're driving around, but it's very obvious that they were both just stood in a sound booth trying to be actors when they're actually <laughs> professional racing drivers. So yeah. that's a bit of a shame, but from yeah. a visual point of view, it's very nice. It's a tricky one. Get it, getting um, getting sports stars to do to be human like is quite difficult a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, do you remember the the McLaren stuff that Jensen and Alonso did? Some of those were oh, abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they did them, though. You know, it's fun, and as long as they're having fun doing them, that's the main thing. Well, a lot yeah, of the time they're not that. having fun when they're doing them <laughs> after, after trouble. That's the that's the key, though. If you can make them have fun, if you can make them enjoy themselves, then they they'll just get on with it and they'll have a great time and you can just film that. That's the exactly, easiest yeah. thing in the world to film. Speaking of the weird things that Alonso and Jensen did, did and, and Lewis for that matter, did either of you ever watch the Tuned cartoons? Yeah, yeah I did actually. Did. They were pretty good. Some of them were, they were anyway. quite funny at times. Yeah. Yeah, they were okay. They were okay. As someone who is uh, animation sort of person, I, I, I did enjoy them. I did enjoy them. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Okay, so last one for this week. Ronnie Flatman says, Mercedes DAS system. Surely it breaks. Pa- blah, can't speak. Surely it breaks Park Ferme rules by adjusting toe after leaving the garage in Q1. Also, loving your podcast makes my day all week. Oh, thanks, Ronnie. Thank you very um, much, Chris. I think you've prepared an answer for this one. Yes, I have. Um, I went. I looked up the Park Ferme rules because. Uh spend all day every day in my house and I've got nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> so the, the relevant bit of the rules, Park Ferme, just to explain to anyone who might not be exactly sure, is essentially at the point the car leaves the garage at the start of Q1, there is a very, very small number of things they can do to the cars after that point. Um, basically, that can adjust the front wing, that can adjust the fuel level. And I think that's about it, isn't it? There's not much more they're allowed to do yeah, pretty much. from a set point of view. Yeah, which is why you see the cars overnight after qualifying, they're like locked in those weird like car bag things that you see them covered in. Yeah. That's essentially they're sealed up so no one can sneak in at, at night and change some gear ratios or a rear wing angle or something like that. Um, so yeah, the bit of those rules says, uh, it's Article 34.6 if you're interested. Uh, a competitor may not modify any part on the car or make changes to the setup of the suspension while the car is being held under park ferme conditions. In the case of a breach of the article, the relevant driver must start from the pit lane. Uh, in order that the scrutineers may be completely satisfied that no alterations have been made to the suspension systems or aerodynamic configuration of the car, with the exception of the front wing, whilst in pre-race park ferme, it must be clear from physical inspection that changes cannot be made without the use of tools. So, That's key, isn't it? Yeah, I I think the 
the point that's going to be argued if and when this gets protested is what counts as a quote-unquote suspension system. Because I'm sure Mercedes mm. will argue that it's got nothing to do with the suspension system. And other teams will argue that it does. Um, but reading those set of rules, I guess the other argument is at the point the car rolls out of the garage at the start of the race on Sunday, the setup is still going to be the same because the steering wheel is going to still be in the same position that it was when Park Fermi started at the start of Q1. Um, they have the ability to then change that without the use of tools, but... Yeah, you're not you're not using tools. Like, I think that's, that's maybe key, one... Yeah. That's the loophole that they're playing on there is um, it's a change that can be made without a tool. Therefore, within that letter of the law, it's... Yeah legal because they're not using tools to make the adjustment and i think that's part and parcel of what it is and then obviously exceptions to that in terms of what they can and can't do when it comes down to um like certain wing angles and things like that that are locked they've got explicit like um sort of accompanying rules that say this cannot be adjusted this specific component cannot be touched after this scenario for these reasons. And obviously there's nothing to do with this explicit scenario, is there? Because nobody thought of it before now. Yeah. Mm. Or at least not had the stones to try it before now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I More mean, accurately. Ultimately, we know Mercedes have already talked to the FIA about this and the FIA have said that they think it's legal. So they wouldn't be running it if they mm. didn't yeah. think that they had a very, very good chance of being able to use it um, obviously teams are going to protest it and there's there's examples in the past of teams running things that the FIA have said they think is legal and then under protest that decision has been reversed um but Mercedes are I don't think they're a team that's going to take undue risk given the position they're in they must yeah. think they've got a very very good chance of being on the right side of the law with this I would think <laughs> I know this might be a bit of a weird point of view, but have you ever thought as well that it could be that they were almost taking a punt on something that they potentially want to use once the regs change and we're using this last generation of car, well, last car in this generation to essentially throw something out there that might get overturned and rejected and they wanted to test the water with it whilst... We were still in this. Well, while they didn't need to focus anything else, particularly on the car, to to improve. Potentially, yeah. Um, I guess there's also a possibility they were thinking about this for the new rule set, but yeah. it was creating headaches for them. So by doing it this year, they've kind of instead of creating a headache for themselves, they've got something banned before it becomes a headache almost. Yeah. Um. It is one of the real disappointments of not having races so far is that we've not got to see how this goes yet because there's no way they're going to finish that first race and not get protested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see how that plays out. Yeah. Then we'll again, see. if they if we start with a double header in Austria, they might not be finishing anywhere that uh, warrants a protest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People will be like, carry on. <laughs> Which we shall it's see. True. Um so yeah, that's that's about as much as we can uh, figure out for that for that question. Um, mm. 
And that, my friends, brings us to pretty much an end for this week. Um, yep. Has anyone got anything else they want to add to that before we go, or are we all done? Just I'm that. Good. I mean that that still leaves us two months away from the first race um, at best, yeah. which seems like a long time. But given how oh, so long, given how I don't really remember April happening, I'm sure that's going to fly by <laughs> in no time. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So. If while you're waiting for uh, June to not happen, you feel like getting in touch with us, <laughs> you can um, find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1, on Facebook by searching Back of the Grid, and uh, on Instagram we are at Back of the Grid. And of course, you can go to the website and um, use the contact page there, backofthegrid.com. Um, and that is it for this week. So we will see you again soon. I'm not going to commit as to when because not enough happens <laughs> for us to <laughs> when yeah, something yeah. does happen. Thing. But um, get in touch with your linky answers and, um, yeah, we'll reveal the, uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll shout out some winners, the people that got it right in the next episode. So um, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from these guys. Bye. Goodbye. If, if nothing happens in the next couple of weeks, we need to do a podcast. We can just do an hour of linkies again. I think that'll be fine, right? <laughs> <laughs>